This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, and I'm joined by our fearless leader once again, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? Chip, I'm doing pretty well. We have power right now, which is uh, more than a lot of Texans can say on this very cold day in the Lone Star State. But, you know, just trying to manage through it all. How are you doing? I'm looking at my phone. It says it's six degrees, Taylor. What <laughs> what happened? We're in Austin, Texas. It's six inches of snow on the ground. Everything's shut down. The grocery stores are shut down. I tried to go get some bottled water today and the grocery store was closed at yeah. that location. It's crazy. Yeah. There's no grocery stores open by me either. There's like one convenience store and that's it. That Even is. like pharmacies, everything are closed. So and it's crazy time. We're supposed to get more ice tonight. So yeah. then maybe it'll start to thaw on like Thursday or something. So right. Yeah, for God sure. Bless everybody listening. Hopefully you've got power. Hopefully um, things are warming up. Maybe by the time you're listening to this, as we record on Tuesday, February 16th. Um, how was your Valentine's Day, by the way, Taylor? Well, our, our power first went out actually while making dinner for Valentine's Day. And yeah, then and while making out. No, no. Okay. While <laughs> making, making dinner. dinner. And you and your husband uh, were making dinner. Yes. And so that went out and then it actually ended up breaking our oven. So our oven doesn't work anymore because the power failure caused something that I don't know what it is, but um, it was, it was one to remember. I'll say that. How was yours? Oh man. Yeah. I'm with you. It just, uh, it was survive, survive in advance and promise nice things for another day. Right. <laughs> I've never been a really big fan of Valentine's day personally, so I didn't oh. really care. I mean, God bless you. Yeah. I've never, we've never really celebrated it. Just well, God bless your jaded, cynical heart. I know, right? My cold, ice cold heart. <laughs> you're not, you're not taking the bait on that corporate uh, romance. No, I even one time told my husband I'll be mad at him if he ever buys me flowers on Valentine's Day. I'm like, they mark up the prices intentionally for people to just go and buy something that's going to die in a few days. So I'll be more yeah. mad than happy if you ever. I mean, that, that was when we were dating. I don't know why he married me, but whatever. Uh, well, listen, you know, it's because you're so darn good at covering these sports and everything you do at horns 24. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, although you do incredible things um, as the managing editor of horns 24 seven, you get, I always say you get more done in an hour than I get done in a day. So, um, but let's get into it, Taylor, because we've got a new fall football schedule that we will be getting into in a second. Uh, but you know, the staff has is finally around the team. You wrote about this um, in in detail 
at Horns 24-7, some exclusive uh, looks into the the first workout where coaches could be present with the players. Uh, please enlighten our, our listeners. Yeah, you know, so the first time that the staff has been around, the players actually just went down this previous Friday. And um, it also just so happened to be, from what my sources told me, the toughest workout that the Longhorns have had to go through this offseason under new director of football performance, Tori Becton, and his strength and conditioning staff there. So um, from what I was told, the, there was uh, the guys, actually the exact quote that I laughed about was, that the guys know that the whole all gas, no break slogan that Steve Sarkeesian has brought to Texas, they know firsthand now what that means because they had a workout on Friday in front of the entire staff. And it was like a three hour workout of pretty much running. And uh, one of my sources said that, you know, uh, in talking with players, they were like, yeah, we thought we were in good shape until I started throwing up like <laughs> midway through the workout. So it was an intense one. But, you know, I think one of the biggest chip or takeaways, Chip, is, um, you know, with these type of workouts, we heard about grueling workouts under the former regime with uh, Tom Herman and his strength staff that he had at Texas. And, you know, a lot of it seemed to be more of a punishment than anything else, where a lot of these guys, from what I was told, kind of walked away like they were beat, obviously. But it was a different I feel like it came, they came out with a different demeanor than they had previously. Um, you know, back when Yancey McKnight was a strength coach, there was, you know, m- multiple sources that confirmed there were times where the players would have to max out, you know, deadlift 600 pounds and then go run for hours afterwards. And it wasn't necessarily, you know, tuned to what they need for the skills on the field, where Tori Becton's whole program, they've basically been trying to mold around individual aspects for each position group. You know, it's not just who can weigh, you know, uh, lift the most weight in the locker room. It's about how can you get the most weight and the most speed, you know, for the position that you need. So, um, you know, it's been a lot different, I think. And I feel like from what I, I mean, it's early, obviously, but from what I was told coming out of Friday's grueling workout is if the guys didn't leave being like, what the hell was that? You know, it was more just kind of like, okay, then I'm, I need to go to bed earlier on Thursday. So that was a big key to me. Yeah. Yeah. Functional strength and functional, uh, movement, the stress of, of, uh, Tori Becton's strength and conditioning program and, and, and so it's like you said, it's not just, you know, clanging on the weights on a, on a, on a barbell and having super squat Saturday or whatever. Um, and so it sounds like the players are engaged and they're, they're finding the, I, I had a couple sources tell me the players thought the, you know, a couple of the earlier workouts were fun. And, um, and so look, if you can get the guys to actually want to go, get up early and go to the, to the winter conditioning, then that's like a, I don't even know how that's possible, but right. um, yeah, we are hearing that, you know, the players are actually kind of going up to the coaches offices and hanging around. And, and so now that the coaches and players can be around each other more, uh, cause remember there was the staff was quarantined early when they first got here. Cause of all the COVID-19 going on in the athletic department, Right. Basketball. We'll get to that. They've had all kinds of issues. They're, they're trying to, and now they got weather issues uh, with this OU game this week, but that the last OU game was sort of the, the game that still irks Shaka smart. Um, 
because of the lack of practice that they've had. But, um, you know, you, you look at this football team, they're, they're getting to know each other. And Taylor, that leads us into um, the schedule. Right. Because look, everybody builds their whole fall. Weddings get planned uh, based on the Texas football schedule. And it's out. We knew they would be playing Louisiana um, uh, on September 4th and, and at Arkansas on September 11th. Those are a couple of, you know, based on seasons past, when you look at, you know, bananas in the tailpipe and losses to teams like BYU, Cal, and Maryland, you have to look at a 10 and one Louisiana that brings back more production than any other FBS school, according to this formula that ESPN has. And Arkansas is expected to bring back 20 of 22 in their two deep and Arkansas, um, you know, should have gotten credit for beating Auburn and beat, beat Mississippi state badly. You know, those are a couple of games with Arkansas being on the road that, that, that grab your attention, right? Absolutely. No doubt about it. I mean, shoot, ask Iowa state, how, uh, you know, uh, Louisiana, how they do, because right. then they, they lost to them in the season opener. Right. Right. And Matt yeah. Campbell wasn't even calling time out. Yeah. Down 10. I mean, he, he tapped out. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, those are going to be two, you know, tough games, I think for, well, potentially tough. You know, we say that we don't really know what this Texas team is going to look like because Texas also returns a lot of talent. Um, There's definitely some areas of concern where they have to replace starters like quarterback probably being the first, you know, but um, there is a lot of talent on the Texas team, but it's still, you know, with so many unknown things. I mean, how many times have we seen coaches lose the games, the offseason games when they shouldn't. I mean, it's been consistently a problem for Texas dating back to, as you mentioned, the BYU game that eventually, you know, caused Manny Diaz's job, caused started the beginning of the end of the Mac Brown era. I mean, and then every year it feels like since there's been some type of hiccup when they've had to play the three non-conference schedules. But you know, Chip, the first the first thing that stands out about the Big 12 schedule uh, that Texas has is they have a gauntlet to start the season. I mean, you know, as you mentioned, so Louisiana start off the season, then they play at Arkansas, then they play rice and the following weeks go Don't like, forget rice beat uh, big East co-champion Marshall 20 to nothing last true. season in that abbreviated, you know, pandemic season, but rice um, playing that Stanford uh, football, you know, is getting better. Anyway, I'm not, I'm, Listen, I'm not saying that Texas is on upset alert to Rice. But anyway, Taylor, go ahead. The Big 12 schedule after that. Yeah, so then Texas has, let's see, Texas Tech on September 25th, TCU October 2nd, uh, Oklahoma October 9th, Oklahoma State October 16th before they even have a bye week. So they have to go for, what is that, six straight weeks, seven, excuse me, seven straight, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven straight weeks without a bye week. And that's some of the meteors part of the big 12 that they have to face too. I mean, obviously Iowa state, it's another, you know, team that's probably supposed to be pretty good too, but that's a gauntlet in my opinion, Chip, what, what's, you know, your kind of takeaways from the big 12 schedule release. Yeah. I mean, um, you're getting a, a Texas tech team in Austin that'll have Sonny Cumbie as the offensive coordinator under Matt Wells and, Alan Bowman is transferred out, but 
They, they liked the kid that they brought in from Utah state. And, and then look at TCU, that's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, Texas has lost six of seven to these guys. And the last time they were up in Fort Worth, they had a 10 point lead in the third quarter and ended up losing by 10. So that's just been, that's kryptonite for Texas. Kind of the way Nebraska couldn't ever beat Texas. Texas struggles with, with TCU and Gary Patterson makes that thing into his Super Bowl every year. Right. Um, Oklahoma, we know is loaded, has, a, a, you know, they're the six time defending big 12 champs. And then Oklahoma state, that game was crazy this past year in Stillwater. That's when they were body surfing Tom Herman because his team somehow got a roughing the punter on a fourth and 22 that extended to drive. I mean, craziness. They got so many calls in that game. I know Texas fans don't want to hear that, but that was one of the games where it was like, okay, I see why opposing fan bases are like, Texas gets all the calls. <laughs> Cause some of those, I was like, Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the refs ended on this one or what? <laughs> well, when Steve Sarkeesian talks about the three games that could have changed with a single play, mm-hmm. he also mentions, okay, so there were three they could have won, maybe should have won, but there were a couple, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, that Texas should not have won. Right. And Texas Tech down 15 with 313 to play. Um, you don't think the Red Raiders are going to be you know, starving to, to avenge that. And then um, Oklahoma state, as we mentioned, they also converted two fourth downs on scoring drives to, to get back into that game. Right. Um, including the touchdown pass to Jake Smith that helped uh, erase a big deficit for Texas late in that game. So, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a formidable start. You're there's no Kansas in there. There's no Baylor. Um, rebuilding. And so you get that after the bye week, Taylor, you, you get your, your back-to-back road games um, at Baylor and at Iowa state. Mm -hmm. Now Baylor, Charlie Brewers at Utah, we're going to have to see what Dave Aranda can come up with offensively because last year uh, the offense was so bad that the fans ended up blaming Charlie Brewer. And he's like, Hey, I'm out. Yeah, that was a mistake, Um, you know, but that's what happens when the coaching changes and it's not up to par. You start blaming the players because the ball's not moving and and the coach has something to do with that, too. And Taylor, Iowa State is going to be loaded again. Right. So this is the team that had its best season in school history and they're getting everyone back. And and so you're playing in Ames, which is never easy, especially when you're there in November. Right. Yeah. I was, up there, have in, a... yeah, I was up there in November. The last time they played, I was wearing like a, the he- heaviest jackets I could find. I was still freezing. And that was the game that Sam Ellinger led them back two touchdowns. You know, they were down and, they take a one point lead with four minutes left and they try to run the ball and end up losing that game. And Sam was so mad. So uh, we'll see if what Casey Thompson and under Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski uh, can get it done in their uh, maiden voyage to Ames. Yeah, for sure. And then they also have a later in November road trip to West Virginia. So another probably very, 
cold. And that was another game there. this year that could have gone either way. Oh yeah. You know, Neil, Neil Brown had two cracks at it instead of kicking field goals. He went for touchdowns and, and uh, in hindsight, maybe should have kicked field goals, but either way it was, it was that close of a game that you had to have Chris Brown breaking up a touchdown pass in the end zone uh, to hang on mm-hmm. to what a 17, 13 win. So um, yeah, a road trip to, uh, to West Virginia um, who will be without the stills brothers finally on the defensive <laughs> line, but they they've, you know, recruited well and, and been a problem and they'll, they'll continue to be a problem under Neil Brown. In my opinion, I think he's uh, one of the better coaches in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And then wrapping up the season with Kansas state at home, which I mean, you never know what you're going to get with Kansas state to begin with, you know, and I know last year was a down year for Chris Kleiman and co, but they also were, you know, had multiple games where they were totally depleted, you know, but, and I know K-State fans will say that's not an excuse, but still, I still think Chris Kleiman, I mean, he's a great coach. I I really do, you know, his first year at K-State, I thought, I just feel like he, he's going to not have a similar type of Bill Snyder type of program, but I think that he's going to win ball games more than probably a lot of people had given him credit for prior to joining the, uh, or prior to moving to Manhattan, Kansas there. But I mean, I, I haven't really looked too much into K-State, Chip. Do you know what their kind of returning depth or anything looks like? Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a lot back. Um, and I, you know, I think Skylar Thompson has indicated he'll he'll come back. And remember, Chris Kleiman's 2-0 and against OU. Right. Oh, that's true. He's a, he was the first coach, right, to win two games straight against OU? Yeah. Or so. against Lincoln Riley, I should say. Yeah. So that guy, and he only had two starters back on offense to begin with this year. Right. Um, and went to OU and beat them early in the year. And then they started having all kinds of COVID issues and, um, and they have had some players transfer out of the program, which I've found interesting because they've had success. And it seems like the guys play hard for Chris Kleiman, but you know, maybe they didn't quite fit the, the mold of what, Chris Kleiman was looking for. So he does a great job of finding guys with great motors who may be a little off in the measurables, but will give it all they've got. And that's, that was the formula for Bill Snyder too. But um, you have to have that at K-State for sure. Yeah. So you look at that schedule, Taylor, and you, you, you say the, the pitfalls, the minefields, you know, look, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt to beat Louisiana and Arkansas, they'll be favored in those games. Let's put it that way. Um, Oklahoma, well, at TCU, that's, you know, that's a prove-it game. OU is a prove-it game. Back-to-back, too, again, just like last year. Back-to-back. And early, you know, when the team's still kind of forming its identity. Although, at that point, you're four games in. You should have a little bit of an identity. Um, And then... You know, Oklahoma State at home, you you should win that game. Mm-hmm. You're at home, but not going to be easy. At Baylor, put that in the win column for Texas. And then I'm excited to see this game at Iowa State because Steve Sarkeesian's offense is a whole hell of a lot different from Tom Herman's offense. And I felt like teams could predict a lot of what Texas was going to do, especially in short yardage situations 
you know, running the quarterback, the red zone and Iowa state is, uh, you know, in Texas, gosh, they had, how big was their lead in the third quarter against Iowa state? 10, 10. Mm-hmm. They led then, for, what was it? Like 58 minutes of that game. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like Texas is, um, that's a game. I think Texas with Sarkeesian, I, I don't know. I'm, I think they'll win that game and maybe comfortably, but then Kansas at West Virginia K state. So I've, I've said to te- Texas fans are like, what, what are the expectations? What, how many games should we win? And I said, look, just go with the Mac Brown plan. Hope you win nine and go to a good bowl game and, and then get to the big 12 title game um, twice in the first four years. And you'll buy yourself enough time, you know, like Mac Brown needed eight years to win his first conference championship at Texas. Now he also happened to win the national championship that year, right? 2005, but he went eight years, Taylor, before winning a big 12 title. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that you have to have a little bit of a tempered expectations for any new staff that comes in. I mean, it doesn't, you know, I think that just it's probably um, pretty illogical to think that some staff's going to come in and win in year one. And I know some Texas fans will point to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma and how they won the big 12 championship every year that he's, you know, what every year that he's been a head coach. And it's like, yeah, but Lincoln Riley was also at Oklahoma. He took over a program that he had familiarity with. He knew the coaches on staff. He knew the players. He knew the strengths. He knew the weaknesses their first spring practice or, you know, their first set of practices after he took over for Bob Stoops, he was already, already, you know, had an idea of how this was going to work. So it's totally different. And it's not really, you know, it's like comparing apples and oranges. If you try to do that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian staff, they have a little bit of an uphill battle. There's definitely no doubt that there's talent on the Texas roster, but it's always going to be a concern if you're replacing a veteran quarterback like Texas is going to. I know Casey Thompson showed, you know, a lot of flash in the the Alamo Bowl win against Colorado when he took over for Sam Ellinger after he left with an injury. But that was one game, you know, and and while I don't want to count him out, it's still a question mark. You know, I think that he, right, he showed a, a new lot. offense. Yeah, learning a new offense. You know, what is this? The third offensive coordinator in three years. Um, and, you know, this is going to be a bit of you know, a challenging year just from that standpoint, even it would have been challenging, even if Tom Herman and his staff was retained, like, let's be honest, you know, I mean, that if you have to replace your starting quarterback in college football, I don't care how much talent is behind them. They're still raw. You know, Casey Thompson's been on campus for a while, but he's played in very minimal games because of the way that how close Texas has played against opponents over the last several years when Tom Herman was the head coach. So, you know, there's definitely some, question. So I think if Texas fans are going in expecting double digit wins in year one, I think you might be disappointed. And it's not just, it doesn't have any indication of how Steve Sarkeesian is as a head coach, how any of these play or these coaches are, you know, it's more of, it's definitely a rebuilding year. And I know Texas fans hate to hear that. (laughs) And I understand why they have such high expectations, but you also have to have some reasonable and logical expectations or else you're setting yourself up for failure, in my opinion. And, you know, as you mentioned, hope for nine wins and play for a, you know, a good bowl game. I think that's an ideal expectation, but even then, you know, you still wonder 
what which nine of those games will come because you know the Big 12 is not some crummy league really either and so I know people dog on it but it's you know it's not as bad I mean the Big 12 played better defense than most SEC teams last year so you know you've seen a shift a little bit away from that but it's definitely going to be a challenge um and but I think that if you have patience with the staff, you, they have to at this point, Chip, we've talked about this a little bit, you know, you can't be the program that keeps turning over head coaches every three, four years, because that's eventually going to cause a multi, multi, multi-year, you know, issue for the future in years to come. So I think Texas fans, you just got to keep, you know, hope that if it's one thing, if they have all losing seasons or something like that, but can't keep firing coaches after eight wins, you know, you just can't do it. Well, Taylor, coming up in Love It or Leave It, we'll get into how uh, some recruiting news should make Texas fans feel good, um, like a certain five-star quarterback committing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Um, all right. So, and we'll we'll touch on Texas basketball, maybe even a little Texas baseball. We'll we'll uh, we'll see. All right, we'll take a quick break here, but you definitely want to stick around because we're going to get into uh, a little bit of the Texas commitments over the weekend, including that of five-star pro-style quarterback Malik Murphy and uh, also some of the coaches' staff um, questions involving that, plus the basketball team. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Chip, are you ready for Love It or Leave It? I'm so ready. I'm so excited. All right. My first question for you, Chip, is Love It or Leave It, you're good with Texas getting a commitment from Malik Murphy, seemingly cutting off hope of flipping 2022 five-star quarterback Quinn Ewers back to Texas. Yeah, this is an interesting one um, for me because I think we were all really excited about Quinn Ewers. Um, the five-star quarterback from South Lake Carroll in the 2022 class. And, you know, I talked to Riley Dodge, the South Lake Carroll coach, and, you know, there was so much excitement when Quinn Ewers committed. And, and I've heard that Texas is not, you know, they have, they're still talking to Quinn Ewers. So this, you know, this could be interesting. Can you imagine if you had two five-star quarterbacks? Um, but nonetheless, um, I am going to say, that I, I love this. I'm, I'm okay with um, this commitment from Malik Murphy, the five-star quarterback from California, because even though he's a little bit of an enigma because his season last year was canceled because of COVID, 
the guy has all the measurables. He's, you know, almost six, five, he's a pro style passer. And here's the most important part, Taylor. Mm -hmm. Other players want to play with him. He's a Pied Piper. And immediately he's improved Texas's chances with some, you know, really talented receivers in the country, including one in California. In addition to um, the four-star commitment they have from receiver uh, Armani Winfield. So, okay. Look, Chris Sims brought Roy Williams, Sloan Thomas, and B.J. Johnson to campus, and Roy Williams ended up being better than Chris Sims. <laughs> so if Blake Murphy brings, you know, all kinds of uh, talent at the receiver position, Texas needs to load up at that receiver position in 2022. For that reason, Taylor, I'm going to love that. Yeah. You know, Chip, I, I, I'm kind of torn a little bit because if you can always get, you know, if you can get the number one player in the country to commit, of course, that's a huge win. And, you know, what was the last time Texas did was Vince Young, right? He was the last, the only number one overall player they had ever gotten before. So, yeah, you look at that and you could, I could understand why some Texas fans may be like, wait, 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 we're ready to close the door on that. However, quarterback recruiting oftentimes, more times than not, much different than other position recruiting because usually you go for your one guy and then you want to get a guy that you know that you're going to be able to hold on to. And I think the former Texas staff thought that Quinn Ewers was going to be that guy. I don't think, you know, as, as you had previously reported, even the situation with the eyes of Texas thing after the OU game, that even played a role in Quinn Ewers, you know, decision, a longtime Texas fan, a lifetime Texas fan, basically um, to decommit. But you know, I think another thing, though, Chip, is you have reported previously in the Insider that there isn't, you know, much of a plan to have a running type of quarterback in Steve Sarkeesian's offense. And so maybe a dual threat guy is not the type of guy that fits his, you know, the style of offense that he wants to run. I think that's something that you kind of have to really take pay attention to when you're looking at them getting Malik Murphy, um, a pro style quarterback, even though he's raw, you know, he may possess some of the tools that Steve Sarkeesian thinks is better than Quinn Ewers because it's going to better fit his style of offense. So, you know, I think I'm going to, um, I'm going to probably agree and I'm going to love it just because I think at this point, it's kind of, you know, we, we've yet to see what type of offense, what type of play you're going to see from the Longhorns under Steve Sarkeesian's watch, but knowing that the plan is not to necessarily run the quarterback, except, you know, to get out of tight situations, then you probably want more of a pro style quarterback. You know, you probably want more of a guy that is known to stay in the pocket when the pressure is on him and not, you know, bail out and run like Texas has seen for the last several years at, um, from the quarterback position. So I, I think that at this point, you know, let's let's see what style of offense Steve Sarkeesian brings. But I think you got to love this at this point and give him the benefit of the doubt of, you know, managing the quarterback position. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well said. <laughs> All right, Chip. So my next one for you here is love it or leave it. The thing you like most about special teams coordinator and tight ends coach Jeff Banks is that he's considered the premier special teams coach in the country. You know, um, and you you wrote about Jeff Banks um, in the Insider last week. Thanks so much for for uh, doing a great job on the Insider last week. 
And I got your um, <laughs> The, you know, and, and he is. I've written in in previous insiders that the position coaches at Texas A&M all went to his special teams meetings because they were so dynamic and fresh and he made players want to perform on special teams in a way that the other coaches were like, man, I got to get my guy, my position guys to, to play with that kind of intensity. But um, I'm going to, I'm going to leave this for this reason. Um, I've said Jeff Banks is the whole package like Jeff Banks. And to, you know, I wrote about this in the morning brew that, Jeff Banks and Jeff Choate are probably the two leading candidates to get a head coaching job off of Steve Sarkeesian's staff. Now, everyone's like, slow down, slow down. Can they just have a season? I'm just telling you, they're on radars of, mm-hmm. of athletic directors, that kind of thing. And part of the reason Jeff Banks, and you may talk about his recruiting because he's savage um, in, in recruiting. I'm just going to talk about the fact that he is connected mm-hmm. and he's got he's respected everywhere you turn in the sec, you know, top three recruiter, in addition to great special teams at AM and then at Alabama. But he also is the reason that Steve Sarkeesian got turned on to Pete Kwiatkowski as his defensive coordinator and college football was stunned when Kwiatkowski, a lifer in the Pacific Northwest left to come to Texas Well, that goes back to Jeff Banks relationship when they were in the big sky together at Montana State and Idaho State, and they recruited against each other and got to know each other, respected each other. And so when Banks calls Kwiatkowski and says, hey, would you be would you consider coming to Texas, you know, with us? Kwiatkowski said that his trust in Jeff Banks was the reason he seriously you know, engaged in this, um, this possibility of going to Texas and ultimately, you know, made that decision. So that's a long winded answer, Taylor, but I'm going to leave it because he's more than a special teams guru. Mm -hmm. I think he's, I think he's a head coach on Sarkeesian staff. How about you, Taylor? Yeah. You know, Chip, I, I am a, while there's no doubt that, you know, his, his work on special teams speaks for itself. And I talked to, you know, several people in the coaching industry just who have both like recruited against him and coached against him just to get kind of the opposite side of the equation of kind of how, how you kind of prepare for facing his special teams. And um, one coaching source told me that, you know, that he knows how to exploit the opponent's weaknesses when it comes to scheming his, his special teams. And he's really detail oriented. You know, he puts his guys in position to make plays that, you know, that's something that is key with special teams, obviously. And, uh, you know, he's the other thing that somebody told me is, is the way that he works on the techniques for each individual position player on special teams is what makes him so, you know, key. And that goes back to the detail oriented thing, but I'm going to leave this. Cause I think that's something that, if you talk to anybody who knows Jeff Banks, they're going to mention is how well he does at recruiting and his recruiting prowess is, is really unbelievable. I mean, dating back to when he was at Texas A&M and um, you know, I wrote about him a lot in the insider after talking to multiple sources who have ties to him um, and have coached, you know, against him and recruited against him. 
And everybody said, you know, he just knows how to relate to recruits, even like there's just a way he knows how to communicate. He knows how to engage with them. And he talks their language a little bit. So people are drawn to him. And as you mentioned, it's not just out, you know, in recruiting it, that is actually what you hear about him as a, you know, just a guy, another coaching source told me he's the type of guy that, you know, you just can't help but like him. You want to go grab a beer with him. That's the type of person that he is. So, you know, that, but using that in recruiting is so key. And if you look at some of the guys that he is, you know, go through, if go to 247sports.com and search Jeff Banks and just go through his all-time recruits list because the list itself is very, very impressive. And so, and that's not just at Alabama. You know, I know it's easier probably to recruit to Alabama when they win national championships pretty much every other year, it seems like. And, you know, you're playing under the best coach in college football history and Nick Saban, but he did this at Texas A&M too, you know, uh, Christian Kirk, Kyle Allen, Otara Laka. I mean, the list goes on of guys that he got when uh, he was at Texas A&M as well. So I think that his recruiting All guys in the NFL right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. You just mentioned. Yeah. So I think his, the, how well he does on recruiting. I mean, that, that impacts the entire future of the program. So I'm going to agree. I'm going to leave it, but for a different reason, not uh, what you would say. <laughs> All right. Good. Good stuff. All right. What do we got? One more? One more, Chip. All right. My last one for you, we're going to shift focus a little bit to basketball. And it is love it or leave it. You're now concerned about Texas getting out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Okay. So I'm going to leave that um, because I want to be fair to this uh, basketball team because uh, while no one is going to make any excuses for them, um, with regard to why they've struggled here and lost uh, games, you know, at home against Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Baylor. And by the way, those are three NCAA tournament teams. But the road loss at Oklahoma State, that was a tough one. Um, close game. And then they needed a buzzer beater to beat K-State. So it's not pretty. And now this game with Oklahoma this week is has been pushed um, to later in the week uh, and they haven't been able to practice because of weather. So they've got, they've been a team that had uh, 19 days apart. They were not an entire basketball team for 19 days because of COVID-19. They had to play a game, the previous game against Oklahoma with five of their eight available players coming off of COVID-19 protocol that week. So they hadn't done any physical activity while they're in quarantine and then come right out. And that's the, that's the part where I'm trying to separate their lack of conditioning because of all the COVID-19 and now winter weather this week has kept them. The school UT is shut down. Mm -hmm. They can't, you know, go have a practice. Um, you know, when they can't even go to school, they're not allowed into the facility. So this is uh, a tricky situation for Texas. Um, They still have time to get it together is what I'm saying. And if, if they can just, you know, keep from having any more hiccups and can just practice because right now this team needs reps, they need to practice, get back into conditioning, get back into their defensive principles. Cause that to me has been the biggest breakdown of Texas here lately. Their defense is not nearly as sharp and as aggressive and intense as it was at the beginning of the year. I think as soon as they lock back into that defense, 
everything else will, will follow from that. And, and so um, I'm going to leave that Taylor. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, Chip, I'm, I'm torn on this one, honestly, because I feel like, I mean, you know, I, I guess maybe COVID won't be an issue come March Madness time because the team feels like almost everybody's been somewhere in contact with it. So maybe that will play to Texas favor, but you know, it's, it's really hard, I think, to erase some of the, you know, this time of year type of slide that we've already seen under a shock of smarts watch. You know, I feel like I've been giving him the benefit of the doubt a lot this season because he's earned it, you know, there's no doubt about it. Um, And I do think that this is the best team that he probably has had since he was hired at Texas. So that makes me want to leave this um, and say, no, I'm not concerned. I think that they can get out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I literally don't really know how to feel. I, I maybe I'll, I'll stay positive and say that I'll leave it because I've been giving shock of the benefit of the doubt. And as you mentioned, for all of the reasons, you know, a lot of this has been outside of their control. Um, however, you know, once they can get back practicing, if you start seeing games that they're losing, that they probably shouldn't, they're even playing in close games when they shouldn't be, then my opinion's for sure going to change. It would probably only take one game for that to change my opinion. That's kind of how on the fence I am. But as you mentioned in the open, you know, it's just my jaded, cynical heart I think that probably leads me to think that way so but I'll still give him the benefit of the doubt and I'll, I'll leave this and say they're gonna pull it out somehow hey fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me <laughs> and you're not gonna get fooled again Taylor. no exactly yeah sh- what shame me six times is it's the six season <laughs> Texas so. man well I I'm fascinated to see if this team can get their conditioning back and get back to that defensive intensity. Cause I, I do think that was their identity and it was well-earned and then they got away from it and they just lost some physicality too. I mean, Baylor just took it at them and, you know, Kai Jones was getting driven on and they you know, those big guys were really tenacious and aggressive and protecting the rim earlier in the year. Kai Jones, Greg Brown, uh, I, I think Jericho Sims is still playing really well, but Greg Brown's been up and down. Um, foul trouble has plagued him suddenly. Like he, you know, the freshman stuff starting to show up now right. and maybe it's cause he's tired. I mean, look, the freshman wall, the first time through the conference, you're like, Oh wow, this is great. This is all new. And then you're like, we got to play him again. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the big 12. So um, I hear you. I'm going to, I'm going to wait to hit the panic button, but, I, I think we can see why they're struggling. So now let's see if they can apply it because they still have that make They still have to play tech again. They still have to play OU obviously again this week. And then Baylor, mm-hmm. if they can make up that game that they were supposed to play back on December 13th. So, um, and that was a Baylor COVID issue at that time that, that cost them the game. So, um, and by the way, baseball season is supposed to start this weekend and, because of COVID-19 protocols and weather, Pete Hansen, their stud redshirt freshman lefty from California, probably won't even pitch this weekend. Um, so you'll have Ty Madden as your, your leadoff uh, pitcher to open against uh, Mississippi State. Texas is a top 10 team. They're playing three top 10 teams in this uh, ter- tournament up at Global Life Field. 
um, this weekend. So it should be fun, Taylor. I mean, they've added some really interesting guys. Mike Antico, the grad transfer from from St. John's, who was big, you know, voted Big 12 uh, newcomer preseason newcomer of the year. And then, um, you know, Tanner Witt, uh, the pitcher, voted uh, Big 12 preseason freshman of the year. Uh, and Cam Williams, the freshman who's likely to start at second base. So all that returning talent for Texas and those new faces should uh, should make for some interesting um, storylines for David Pierce as Texas baseball gets going this weekend in Arlington. Um, Taylor, great stuff as always. And uh, everybody get over to Horns 24-7. What else are you going to do? Uh, with You can't go outside. Yeah. Uh, so read up at Horns 24-7. Get over to uh, uh, iTunes. Give us a five-star rating and some kind words, and we'll, we'll talk about you on the air next week. Uh, but everybody stay warm, stay safe. And until next time, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Thanks for listening to the Flagship Podcast. Stay safe and keep the faith. Everyone is talking about if. I'm going to go to Lynn Newman. I like it. I love it. It's original and heartfelt. Ta-da! And the must-see comedy of the summer <laughs> that's perfect for the whole family. It's just so exciting. If. Ready PG. Now playing in theaters.